Keep going. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 6, uh, verses 1 through 11. So as you guys are finding your way there, I want to uh, remind you briefly uh, of where we were last week, or if you weren't here, uh, just catch you up to speed. So last week, Pastor Dave did a wonderful job talking about a passage where some religious people, some people that were worried about what are all the rules, make sure we follow everything just right, the religious people questioned Jesus and his disciples about uh, fasting, about uh, they weren't following all the rules that they were supposed to follow as, as good religious people. And so uh, we talked about the role that the law played, the, the role of uh, religious rules and, and the Ten Commandments and everything that God had established in the Old Testament. These guys weren't really following it perfectly. And so uh, we talked about the, the role that the law played and really uh, what... Uh, we, we kind of landed on is that the, the law does not make anyone perfect, that the law, we, we cannot please God by perfectly obeying the law because uh, I, don't, I don't know about you, but none of us are, are able to follow the law perfectly. I'm certainly not able to follow the law perfectly, and I think if any of us were honest, we would admit that we come up short so often. So the law doesn't make us perfect in God's sight. It doesn't make us worthy of God's love. What it does is it it shows us our need for a Savior. And so uh, as we talked about all of that, as we talked about grace and about how God is so gracious to forgive us, this week what we're going to do is we're going to step into a story, a passage where there's two more scenes that we get to look at that kind of talk about a lot of the same stuff, where Jesus confronts this attitude of the religious people, of the religious establishment, and uh, the, the, the religious people were upset that Jesus and his disciples weren't following all the rules as they were supposed to. So uh, this passage, it's, it's no accident that this passage follows the previous one, but as Jesus is, is stepping on these religious toes that we're going to look at tonight, it shows that there's a, a different approach that Jesus brings, that that religion, that, that following God, that having a relationship with God is not just about checking all the boxes. And I know we've probably talked about that before. I know you've probably heard that in churches and in uh, religious settings before, but, but at the same time, there's so often we, we, we get this idea stuck in the back of our head that if I can just check off all the boxes, if I can just do everything that God asks me to do, if I follow all the rules, then God's happy with me. And the converse of that is if I, I don't follow all the rules, then I better get my act together. I better get my life straight before God will be somehow willing to accept me, right? That's kind of the attitude that, that we struggle with. And so as we read this passage, I want us to have that idea in the back of our mind as we look at Jesus confront these religious uh, establishment ideas that, that he's facing in Luke chapter 6. We're going to read verses 1 through 11. I'll invite you uh, to read along with me. We're going to read the whole thing, give us a, a big picture of what uh, we're going to be talking about, and then we'll go back and, and pick it apart a little bit. So let's pick up in verse 1. Luke chapter 6, it says, Now it happened that he was passing through some grain fields on a Sabbath, and his disciples were picking the heads of the grain and rubbing them in their hands and eating the grain. But some of the Pharisees said, Why do you do what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And Jesus answering them said, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry, he and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and took and ate the consecrated bread, which is not lawful to eat for any except the priests alone, and gave it to his companions. And he was saying to them, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. On another Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching, and there was a man there who was, whose right hand was withered. The scribes and the Pharisees were watching him closely to see if he had healed if he healed on the Sabbath so that they might find reason to accuse him. 
But he knew what they were thinking, and he said to the man with the withered hand, Get up and come forward. And he got up and came forward. Jesus said to him, I ask you, is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath, to save a life or to destroy it? After looking around at them all, he said to him, Stretch out your hand. And he did so, and his hand was restored. But they themselves were filled with rage and discussed together what they might do to Jesus. Let's pray together, church. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that we can look and consider it together this evening, and God, that we can hear from you. So God, we pray that as we look to your word, God, as we look to these passages where Jesus is addressing the Pharisees, addressing the religious establishment, God, we pray that you would speak to us. God, that I believe that you have a message for each and every one of us tonight. God, that that we would hear from you, and God, that we would not just be hearers of the word, but that we would be doers. God, speak for your servants are listening. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, the first section that we're going to look at, we're going to look at those first five verses that talk about uh, the, the questions that were raised about food on the Sabbath. So the first thing that we see here in this passage is we see the Pharisees attack Jesus about his disciples' snacking habits. Now, I'm not going to ask anybody to raise their hand in here about their problems with their snacking habits, but the disciples were getting in trouble for their snacking habits. So uh, in these first five verses, what we see is they are out wandering through a grain field on the Sabbath, and as they are going out, the Pharisees are watching them like hawks. They are watching them, watching their every moment because they've already decided from some of the other conflicts that we've seen them have in the, the, the previous passages and the previous chapters, they don't like this Jesus guy. And so they're watching him, trying to figure out what's going on with Jesus and, and is he really the person that he says he is? Is he really God? Or is he just out here causing a, a stir and, and we need to find something to accuse him of so that people will realize that he's not God? So we see them, they're, they're watching him, and what we see here is they attack them about their snacks, about how they have gone through and, and picked some grain and, and rubbed it and, and taken the kernels out and are, are snacking on the kernels as uh, they're walking through the field. And this attack that they place on the disciples is not about stealing. It's not about the fact that they took grain because that was something that the, the Jewish law provided for. It was okay for them to, to take from the field because Jewish people were supposed to leave behind some, some grain in the field so that people that had need could, could take. They were looking out for each other with that law. But what they were upset about was the fact that it had happened on the Sabbath, that it had happened in a, a, a day of the week that they weren't supposed to do anything, that, that God had given the commandment. You remember back years and years and years before, we, we talked about it in the book of Deuteronomy, about how Moses went up uh, at Mount Horeb and, and he received the Ten Commandments from God. And one of those Ten Commandments is honor the Sabbath, remember the Sabbath, and keep it holy. Well, what they had done is they had taken that command from God, remember the Sabbath, have a day of rest, have a day that, that you don't go and do the same things that you always do every other day. And they had taken that rule and they had expanded it and explained it and, 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 and made a very clear path of, of exactly what that looked like to be obedient to not working on the Sabbath, to, to remember the Sabbath. What they had done is when it says don't work on the Sabbath, that's not clear enough for them. So they had actually established 39 other rules and explanations of what work on the Sabbath meant. So uh, they had other rules in the Mishnah that explicitly listed reaping and threshing and winnowing and preparing food as uh, things that you weren't allowed to do on the Sabbath. So when 
the disciples are, are walking out and walking through a field, and they pick these pieces of grain and, and rub them in their hands and begin to eat them. We, they start to check all the boxes of all the things they're not allowed to do, right? They, they reaped when they began to pick some of the heads of grain that it talks about. They threshed and, and winnowed when they rubbed it in their hands to, to separate uh, the grain from the rest of the, the, the wheat product. And it says as they began to eat the kernels, well, then they've got prepared food. So they've, they've, they've done all these things that, that broke the Pharisees' established rules that we, guys, we have laws. We have, we have expectations. What are these guys doing? They're, they're not following all of my rules. In Matthew's account of this story, remember Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all tell the story of Jesus. And many of these stories we see that we look at here in Luke, they show up in other Gospels. And so as Matthew is telling this story, he mentions a verse from Hosea chapter 6 that we actually referenced a couple of weeks ago as we were talking about a different story. It says in Matthew chapter 12, verses 6 and 7, I say to you that there is something greater than the temple. Something greater than the temple is here. If you had known what it means, I desire compassion and not a sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. Now, if we look at Mark's parallel, he also draws out a different detail as he's telling the story. Uh, he mentions in Mark chapter 2, Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. What we see here in, in putting all these stories together and, and getting a good picture of what is going on here, what we see is uh, God created the, the law of remember the Sabbath, keep a day of your week and, and set it aside and, and don't work on the Sabbath for the same reason that he established many of our other laws. Many of the other things that God has established and done, see, what he's doing in creating these laws and creating these expectations for people is not placing a burden on them, is not saying you can't do all these things because that's fun and, and that's going to, uh, that you, you, you want to do this and you want to do that, but you can't do any of those things because I'm a big bully. God's not saying that. What God's doing is he's, he's establishing rules and expectations for our good and for our benefit. When he established the, the rule of the Sabbath, God made the Sabbath to serve man. He made the Sabbath so that workaholics like me and, and workaholics like you that, that get so sucked into whatever it is that we're working on and focused on, he tells us it's important for us to slow down and to stop and to have times and, and moments where we're not so focused on the grind of whatever it is that we think we should be doing, that we don't slow down and, and remember the things that are truly important. It's important to rest. It's important to, to, to get good sleep. It's important to, to have family time and not just rush off to, to go do the next thing. It's, it's important to, to be a part of a church where, where we can gather and worship together. And, and, and when we work every week, seven days a week, stuff like that's not necessarily possible right? So as God established the Sabbath, he didn't do it so that we would be strictly mandated to, you have to follow all the rules, you have to, to check all the religious boxes in order to please me. What he's doing is he's protecting people. The story that Jesus references here is found in 1 Samuel 21, where David and a few of his men are refugees at this point. They're, they're running from King Saul, who is hunting for David's head at this point, and they're in need of food. So they come into the temple. They, they come in. They say to the priest, we, we're, we're hungry. We need food. We've been on the run, and, and we have nothing. And so David comes in, and he says, what do you have? We're hungry. What do you have for us? We're, 
were in desperate need, and the only food that was available to them was the special uh, table of showbread. It was a, a, a table that was set up in the temple that bread was put there every week before God as a sacrifice. And every week, new hot bread would be put there, and they would take the old bread off, and the priests were expected to eat it. And so as David and his friends come in looking for food, they said, the only food that we have is this special consecrated bread that was only supposed to be eaten by the priests. But you know what the priest does? He says, you need this more than I do in that moment. And the priest makes an exception to give David and his friends the bread that that normally, according to the law, would be set aside, that they would not be allowed to eat. As Jesus references this story, what Jesus is doing is he's, he's challenging the Pharisees' views. He's challenging and pointing out the fact that human need cannot just be subjected to cold legalism. The, the, the point of the rules is not uh, to cause people to be harsh or uh, set off and, and, and not care about the needs of people, what he's saying is, by pointing back to uh, the book of Hosea, God desires mercy and not sacrifice. The rules don't, uh, people don't exist to serve the rules. The rules exist to serve people, to, to point us to God, as Pastor Dave talked about last week, to point out our need for mercy and for grace and, and for a Savior. And another incredible illustration of all of this that the Pharisees, honestly, they, they should have known about because they uh, were supposed to know their Old Testament, their Bible. They, they studied a lot. They should have known about this. But Amos, another uh, 8th century prophet from before Jesus came, he was even more explicit talking about this than Hosea was. Amos chapter 5, uh, verse 12, and then I'm going to read verses 21 through 24. He, he talks about how uh, people are supposed to be merciful. He says, for I know your transgressions are many and your sins are great. You who distress the righteous and accept bribes and turn aside the poor in the gate. I hate, I reject your festivals, nor do I delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer up to me burnt offerings and your grain offerings, I will not accept them. I will not even look at the peace offerings of your fatlings. Take away from me the noise of your songs. I will not even listen to the sound of your harps. But let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. I don't know if you guys picked up what he was saying there, but, but what those verses are talking about is about people whose heart is not right, who are doing all the religious things that they're supposed to do. In their culture, they were supposed to, to bring sacrifices, so these, these people would bring sacrifices, but their heart was not right. They would, they would bring their animals to be sacrificed. They would bring their grain to be sacrificed. They would sing the songs. They would do all of the things that, that religiously they were supposed to do. If, if they looked at the people that were sitting next to them at church, people would have looked at them externally and said, oh, these people have it together. These people are, are checking all the boxes. But what Amos is saying here on behalf of God is, I don't care about you following all of the religious external stuff. Your heart is not right. And if your heart is not right, I don't want your sacrifices. I don't want your offerings. I don't want all of the other stuff. Religious observance that does not look out for the plight of the needy, religion without mercy, as Hosea would say it, is simply unacceptable. Mercy is inseparable from true faith. We cannot say, I love God and hate our brother. 
God desires loving obedience, not simply religious observance. The mercy that God talks about in these verses that that I've been reading to you guys, that that the Pharisees obviously somehow just missed. They they were familiar. I'm sure they had read them, but somehow they didn't click in their head. They didn't make sense. They didn't point out that the light bulb didn't go off for them of, you know, these verses are kind of talking about us. It includes both spiritual ethics and social ethics. See, spiritual ethics and social ethics, it's important for us as Christians, as people who follow God, to to follow the spiritual rules that God has given to us. We don't get to just come in and say, well, I'm going to be a good person and and check all the religious boxes and and feel like we have somehow pleased God and, and earned favor in his sight. There are things like spiritual disciplines. The Bible tells us that, that, that we should pray, that we should read our Bible, that we should gather together as a church and encourage one another and, 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 and spur one another on towards love and good deeds. All of these things, Scripture tells us things that we should do, and it's not because we somehow earn God's favor by doing them. It's because God said, do these things because they're what's best for you. Remember, God gives us rules not to be a burden, but, but for our good, for our benefit. So we should follow some of those spiritual disciplines that it tells us about. Obeying God, uh, how God has told us to live, is, is incredibly important. The spiritual disciplines, the spiritual ethics are essential. But there's a danger here that we see in the Pharisees as well. That I, I think we should pause and stop and reflect on for a minute because these Pharisees, they, they followed all of those spiritual rules. I'm sure they had their, their, their devotional time every morning. They prayed and, and followed all of the rules. They, they washed their hands just right before they came to church. They, I, I'm sure they would be people that wore their face mask every time they went out somewhere. They wouldn't be tempted like the rest of us to, to take it off when it gets hot and stuffy, right? They followed all of the rules. But you know what? What Jesus is pointing out and, and what we see here in these Pharisees is that even though they followed externally all of the rules, all of the religious expectations, their hearts were far from God. See, there's, there's value found in social ethics as well. What we see here is Jesus is pointing out and, and pointing back to different places in the Old Testament where God talks about how he desires mercy more than sacrifice, is that authentic believers not only care about how they look religiously, but they, they care about other people as well. Authentic believers care about the welfare of others. The Bible tells us that, that as Christians, we should even care more about our brother, that, that we should sacrifice ourselves for the needs of someone else. How countercultural would that be in our culture that we live in right now? In 2020, when, when it seems like everybody is focused on what they want and what they need and what their right is and, and what their privileges should be, how countercultural and incredible of a witness would it be for us to flip that all on its head and say, I care more about you than I care about me. I care more about what you deserve, what, what I can give to you instead of what I can take for myself. The believer's social ethics, how you treat other people, is often a glimpse of the, the reality of what's going on spiritually inside of you that's, that's more difficult to see sometimes from the outside. Jesus has come to mercifully meet the needs of the people that are around him. And as this simple clash, it, 
it, it seems so simple and so straightforward. The religious people got mad over some snacks that the, the disciples were taking. But what we see is a glimpse into this bigger picture, this bigger reality that, that Jesus kind of pauses and addresses with them. Guys, you're missing the point. Let's not miss the point tonight, guys. Let's not miss the point that that even in the midst of all of the, the religious stuff that the Pharisees had so right, they missed the fact that God came for people. God came for, for people like me, for people like you, for people like your neighbor that maybe drives you crazy sometimes, maybe makes you a little nuts. I'm not speaking from personal experience. I'm just throwing that out there. Besides, we're on, this is recorded on the Internet, so I definitely can't talk about that. So we see here Jesus talking about confronting that, that religious attitude. But he also talks about some questions about healing on the Sabbath and that, that second scene that we have in our passage, verses 6 through 11. Here in this second scene, we, we see Jesus again, and he points out the flaw in the Pharisees' religious demands, their insistence on the Sabbath law instead of mercy. Let's read those verses again so they're fresh in our mind. Verses 6 through 11, it says, On another Sabbath, he, Jesus, entered into the synagogue and was teaching. There was a man there whose right hand was withered. The scribes and the Pharisees were watching him closely to see if he healed on the Sabbath so that they might find reason to accuse him. But he knew what they were thinking, and he said to the man with the withered hand, Get up and come forward. And he got up and came forward. Jesus said to them, I ask you, is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath? to save a life or to destroy it. And after looking around at them all, he said to to him, stretch out your hand. And he did so, and his hand was restored. But they themselves were filled with rage and discussed together what they might do to Jesus. So let's summarize this story real briefly. What we see here is Jesus is again teaching on the Sabbath, and the religious people are watching, right? The the Pharisees, the the, the religious establishment of that day, they're, they're there and they're watching, trying to catch Jesus. And Jesus intentionally goes against their religious demands. He, he, he sees them there, and he knows what they're thinking. He sees this man that, that needs to be healed, and he knows, if I heal this man, I know how they're going to respond. So I'm not going to do it hiding over here in the corner. I'm not going to let it be something that, 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 that maybe rumors sneak out about. Man with the withered hand, come forward. Come, come right here into the middle where everyone can see nice and clearly. And so he he asks the religious leaders a question, asking them about, is it better to, to do good that I can do? I, I can heal this man. Would God rather me heal this man or, or follow the religious rules that we've set up, that you've established, that, that we can't heal on the Sabbath? What is just incredibly ironic to me as we read this story is that the, the religious men, the, the Pharisees here, grumpy and sinisterly watch Jesus with their arms crossed, folded, probably sitting in the back of the room watching, going, what's he going to do? He wouldn't, he wouldn't help this guy, would he? He can't break our rules. What's he going to do? The Pharisees are, are utterly unmerciful and, and utterly missing the point of, of the whole thing that they have spent all of their lives focused on. They, they've spent time reading and memorizing and studying what Scripture has to say. And through all of that, all of that religious obedience, they totally miss the point. Jesus gave this 
truth expression when he said, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. In Matthew chapter 5, and that, that Sermon on the Mount, that, that famous passage, the Pharisees were missing it. They weren't being merciful to this man. Another way of putting this is a merciful spirit is a sign of the fact that we've received mercy. We will love other people because we have received love. We will show mercy to other people because we have received mercy. An unmerciful spirit is a sign that that we haven't really received God's mercy in our lives. We don't really understand. It doesn't matter how religious you are. If you don't care about the welfare of other people, if you have no concern about uh, the, the salvation of the people around you, the, the welfare of the people around you, if you are calloused and, and could not care less about how someone else living next to you is doing, I don't think you really understand what God has done for you. Christians are, are often identified by the things that we stand against. We like to, 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 to take stands. We like to protest things that are unbiblical and and, and my goal tonight is not to talk about whether it's appropriate to, to protest for this or, or, or stand for that. Or I think we should stand for the truth of Scripture. Don't hear me and, and misunderstand that. But sometimes, guys, we, we miss the point because I think people that, that aren't a part of the church, people that aren't Christians, look at the church, they look at Christians, and, and they don't really know what we stand for. It's really easy for the world to sometimes look at Christians and go, oh, yeah, they, they hate this and they hate that and they, 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 they stand against this, but what are they for? What are they all about? Can that be said of, of us? Can that be said of, of you or of me? If we don't care about the welfare of other people like Jesus did, Jesus healed this man even though it was in opposition to the religious establishment's rules and expectations. If we don't care about other people, I would argue we don't really understand how much God cares for us. Later on in in the book of Luke, in in keeping this idea of the law, the, the law was conditioned to loving God with everything you have and loving your neighbor as yourself. Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 28 says, A lawyer stood up and put him, Jesus, to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, What is written in the law? How does it read to you? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. In the economy of heaven... Loving God and loving others are not separate things. They're, it's, it's not a multiple choice where we get to choose to either love God or, or, or love other people or just love ourselves and look out for ourselves. Like, no, God says that, that loving God is the most important thing, and loving your neighbor as yourself is the second and is also incredibly important. 1 John chapter 4 says, If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. The Pharisees, time and time and time again. I feel like we're, we're hitting a topic that we're going to like see continue to trace through the Gospel of Luke week after week after week as we continue to read through here because the Pharisees are a very key player in the whole picture. 
They're, they're a key player in this whole story. And week after week after week, we see they miss it. They have these religious expectations of we've got to follow all the rules. But they don't show mercy to people. They, they, they don't love their neighbor. And the self-righteousness of the Pharisees is not interested in mercy. It's, it's not even really interested in truth. It's just interested in making sure that everyone follows the rules the way that they think they should be followed. The Pharisees missed God that was standing right in front of their face. They knew the scriptures. They knew all of the things that God had said, but they were so focused on the rules that they had put right smack dab in front of their face that they missed the relationship with God that God was inviting them to. They missed what was so special about our connection that we can have with God. So what does it all boil down to? What's the takeaway? What do we need to go home with tonight? The, the, the point of all of this conversation tonight is true faith produces mercy. People who have been loved by God love other people. People who have received mercy from God, that God has, has shown us favor, as we talked about last weekend. People that, that have received so much from God as, as we have the only reasonable response is for us to show that to other people. That is one of the big warning lights, the, the big danger, danger signs that we see from the Pharisees that, that they just simply aren't getting it. Of all of the people that, that Jesus chose to show mercy to, of all of the people that, that God showed love and extended forgiveness to in Scripture that we see story after story after story of God extending forgiveness and mercy to people, you know who he was harshest with? The, the religious people, the Pharisees who, who thought they had it all together, who, who thought that they perfectly followed everything that they were supposed to follow, but they were so focused on their religious rules that they had put smack dab in front of their face that they missed the God that was the point of all of them. Of course, mercy and compassion does not make someone a Christian. We believe that, that salvation is by grace alone through faith alone, in Jesus alone. It's only because God chose to offer forgiveness to us and, and we receive that in faith. That is the only reason that we can be saved. Doing enough good things does not make us a Christian. Showing mercy, showing compassion, being a social justice warrior, that does not make us have a, 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 a fancy resume that God's going to look at one day and go, oh, well, you get in. You uh, come be a part of heaven. Mercy and compassion and, and doing all the things on their own does not make us a Christian. But, and this is a big but, this is a huge but, this is a, a really significant but for us to talk about tonight. But, true faith does produce all of those things in our life. True faith, truly understanding how much God has done for us does result in mercy, does result in compassion, does result in generosity, does result in love for our neighbor. True, true Christians are compassionate to the needy, to the poor, to the immigrants, to those that are struggling with substance abuse or, or, or alcohol abuse, those that are prisoners that have committed crimes that 
that socially we want to distance ourselves from. Christians run towards danger, not away from it, because we have the good news that needs to be taken to all of those people that are so trapped in all of those things. The Christians run towards the sick, towards the needy, towards the hungry, towards the ones that Jesus ran towards. Christians care about sinners. Jesus said uh, just a few verses earlier, I did not come for the healthy, I came for the sick. I wanted to make sure that tonight we didn't uh, talk about something that, that just seemed like I had taken it from a small passage. So I've, I've, I've referenced a bunch of things in the Old Testament, but let's talk about some places in the New Testament too. We're not going to give you a verse or two. We're going to give you big chunks. So Romans chapter 12 through chapter 16 talks about this idea that uh, the, the New Testament authors majored on character is more important than ritual obedience. Ephesians chapter 4, 5, and 6 talk about how character is more important than ritual obedience. First Peter, just read the whole thing. It, it, it shows up in there time and time and time again. Character. God, God cares about the heart more than he cares about the external looking like you've got it all together. External compliance is not the issue. Christ's words warn us tonight, it's what's inside. It's, it's what's in the heart of a, a person that truly matters, that truly counts. The, the religious obedience is good, but only when it's indicative of a heart change that has also taken place. God longs for the heart that celebrates his presence by responding to him, that, that vertical relationship that, that we love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our strength, but also shows love for his neighbor, who also loves his or her neighbor as himself. So here's the question. Here's the takeaway. And I want you to write this down, and I want you to think about this tonight. Do you get caught up with the religious compliance stuff? Do you get so focused on looking like you've got it all together on the outside that, that you allow your heart to become like the Pharisees? That if we check all the boxes off on the outside, that's, that's good enough. Do you get caught up on religious compliance? Or are there things that you need to change because of Jesus' reminder tonight? I desire compassion. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. How can you be more concerned about showing mercy like Jesus showed mercy? How can you be more concerned about taking the love that God has given to you and taking it to someone else? What can we do? to align ourselves tonight a little more with, with what Jesus was talking about and a little less with what the Pharisees were so desperately holding on to. Let's pray together. God, we thank you that, God, that you do your work in our lives that only you can do. God, we thank you for the love that you have shown to each and every one of us. God, the, 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 the mercy, the compassion, the, the, the generosity that you have shown to us. God, in just the opportunity of being here tonight, God, you uh, do incredible work in our lives in a way that, God, we are able to, God, we are able to pause and acknowledge and realize tonight, God, you, you have loved us with an incredible love. God, you have shown us incredible mercy. And God, we pray that, that as Jesus 
so clearly pointed out tonight with the Pharisees. God, help us to be focused on mercy and not just religious sacrifice. God, help our hearts to be right, not just our outward actions to be right. God, we offer everything that we have to you. Our lives are an act of worship, not just our our Saturday night church attendance, not just our, our 15 minutes of Bible reading that we give you. God, everything that we have, everything that we are, every response that we give is yours. We pray that it would reflect that way. We need you. We need Jesus, and we are thankful for his sacrifice that we can come to you in his name. Amen.